Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 1. After these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, or Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication. He hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And they wrote, and again they said, Hallelujah. And her smoke arose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. And the voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were a great, uh, the voice of a great multitude. And as a voice of many waters, as a voice of mighty thunder and saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife had made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Within the context of John's vision here tonight in Revelation 19, it is right at the end of the tribulation period. John has just concluded seeing the fall of both religious and commercial Babylon in Revelation 17 and 18. The world at this time during the tribulation period, is in a horrible mess. For all their hope and all their trust has been placed in the Antichrist and in Babylon, only to find that they were deceived, for God overthrows them in great power and authority. The practical lesson we can learn here is that you cannot put your trust in things on this earth, for it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. What I'm interested in tonight is while chaos is breaking out on the earth, John sees a heavenly scene in Revelation 19, and celebration is breaking out in the glory world. Why? Why are they doing that? Well, in this text tonight, in verses 1 through 6, four times you'll find this word, Hallelujah, or Hallelujah. This is a universal word that is spoken and understood in every language. It doesn't matter what part of the world you go to. It doesn't matter what language they speak. You can say hallelujah, and it means the same thing in every language. The word hallelujah means praise be to God. Praise be to God. You know, sadly, words like amen and praise God and blessed be the Lord and hallelujah, words like that are missing in our churches today. Sadly, many churches have become silent. Now, I want to say this tonight. We are not to be charismatics and contemporaries who work up in the emotions of a congregation by singing the same line of the same song 37 times in a row like we saw this morning. But we also need to be like the Roman Catholics and some of our independent Baptist brethren uh, that sit there like a wooden Indian and they wouldn't even give you a holy grunt if you handed $20 to them. I tell you, we ought to be Christians and Christians have joy 
The Bible said the joy of the Lord is your strength. As we have already noted tonight, four times in this text, the saints in heaven. Somebody said, people, preacher, who are these people? Well, if you're saved by the grace of God, you are in Revelation 19, verses 1 through 9. You are in that number that is saying hallelujah. Now, I just got this little suspicion tonight. If I'm going to be saying hallelujah when I get over there, then I might ought to be saying hallelujah on my way over there. Amen. I want to preach on these four hallelujahs tonight out of Revelation 19. And I believe that give us some reasons why we ought to pray. Sadly, the church has become silent. But my Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Psalm 150 says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let's look at these four hallelujahs tonight and we'll be done. First of all, this first hallelujah in verse number one, John says, after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. This is what I call the hallelujah of the reality of God's worth or the reality of God's worth. Somebody said, preacher, what do you mean by this? Well, notice the who of this hallelujah. He said, heard the voice of much people. This is not the angels in verse number 1. This is not the seraphims or the cherubims. But he heard the voice of much people saying hallelujah. The who of this hallelujah. But then there's the why of this hallelujah. Why are they saying hallelujah? Well he they list four attributes of God in verse number 1. First of all they say uh, hallelujah because of the deliverance of his salvation. The word salvation here literally means deliverance. We must know that contextually in this point during the tribulation period we, if we go up in the rapture and I believe the Lord could come, I believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ and if Jesus was to come back tonight, seven years from now this scene would be pl taking place. And even then there are those who are in heaven that's been in heaven for a long time. They went by way of the grave. They went by the way of the cemetery and they are with the Lord. The Bible said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But here's what I want you to note. Even after all that time of being in heaven with a glorified body, even after all that time of being in heaven and enjoying the blessings of eternity, this crowd is still excited about the fact that they have been saved by the grace of God. They have been saved from the wrath of God. They have been saved from hell for all eternity and when they saw the reality of God's worth and they saw Babylon fall, we'll get to that more in a moment, but when they saw that they said hallelujah for the deliverance of his salvation, I'm going to tell you tonight you ought to praise God and you ought to say hallelujah for the fact that when you was a lost sinner on your way to hell and you couldn't buy your way to heaven and you couldn't earn your way to heaven and you couldn't do enough good works to get to heaven, there was a great God in heaven and he looked beyond your faults and he saw your needs and he sent his only begotten son to Calvary and he suffered and he bled and he died but he rose again on the third day and he sent the sweet Holy Ghost of God
God. Put a verse on, on, a, on a preacher's heart and preach the word of God to you. And you got born again. You got saved. You got regenerated. You got reconciled to God. You got forgiveness for the trespass of your sin. It ought to cause you to say hallelujah. Now, you bunch of backslidden Presbyterians better help me out tonight. I'm going to throw four songbooks at you. When I do that, when I say everybody says, Hallelujah, you better do that. I'm going to let you get up here and sing Happy Birthday in Spanish. Amen. Amen. The deliverance of this salvation after all this time of being in heaven, they have still not gotten over the fact that they have been saved. Not only am I saved from hell, but I'm glad I'll not spend one second in this tribulation period that John writes about. We have been saved from wrath. We have been saved from that eternal judgment. We have been saved from the destruction of the flesh. Thank God for that. And when they considered the deliverance of their salvation, they said, Hallelujah! But then notice not only the deliverance of this salvation, but the display of His glory. For they said salvation and glory. Now the word glory in our text means magnificent, excellence, preeminence, dignity, grace, majesty. Something that belongs to God and God alone. Oh my, when we finally get there and we finally see Him for who He is and we finally see Him for what He is, we will go, we're going to see what Moses desired to see when he said Lord show me thy glory and you know what God did God put him in that cleft of the rock and he made all of his goodness pass before him and we're going to see what Moses wanted to see that day now remember John is writing this letter. John is writing this revelation. This is not the revelation of John the beloved but rather the revelation of Jesus Christ. And John, the last time, if you would, he saw Jesus. He was still in that earthen body. He had the wounds in his hands. He still had that flesh. Even though it was a resurrected body, he still had those wounds. But in Revelation 1, he's in exile on the Isle of Patmos for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And the Bible said he got in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he all of a sudden, he began to worship God. And he heard behind him a voice of a great trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the the first and the last. And he said, I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down the foot, girt about the pouch with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, and as white as snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like in the fine brass, if they had burned in the furnace. And the voice was a sound as many waters. And he had and his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance as the sun shining in his strength and John when I saw him he didn't grab his guitar and jump up and down no he fell down at his feet as a dead man and he said he laid his right hand on me saying fear not I'm the first and the last I'm he that liveth and was dead and behold I'm alive forevermore amen and have the keys of death and hell Revelation 4 he got a glimpse of him again he saw saw him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He saw him as the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And I'll tell you, when we get over to the other side and we see our Savior for who He is and we see Him in His glory, you know what we're going to say? Hallelujah! Praise be to God. The deliverance of this salvation 
the display of his glory. But then notice the deserving of honor. He said salvation and glory and honor. The word honor here means valuable. It means reverence. In other words, it means he was really worth it all. Amen. He is really worth it all. Oh, Micah Henson had it right when he wrote, he is really all that. I didn't think about that, but that's your boy's name. Micah Henson of the, uh, wrote that song, if I could say one thing, it be he's the best thing for he is really all that matters and I tell you when we get to the other side we realize it was worth every storm it was worth every trial it was worth every heartache it was worth every disappointment it was worth every sorrow why? because we made it and we're on the other side and we saw the every amen every song every hallelujah every praise the Lord every track we passed out every dollar we gave to missions everything we tried to do for the Lord it was worth it all Mary in John 12 poured her alabaster box on the Lord Jesus' head. She didn't pour half of the contents of that alabaster box. She didn't pour a third of that, but she poured it all on the Lord. You know why she poured it all on the Lord? Because He's worthy of it all. Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. I tell you, during this meeting in Revelation 19, we have limitations in this flesh. We cannot, we don't have the vocabulary we like to have. We don't have the energy and the stamina that we like to have. Oh my, but on that day when we have that glorified body, we'll be able to worship Him and praise Him like we've always wanted to. That is the, the, the deliverance of the salvation, the display of His glory, the deserving of honor, but then the demonstration of His power. He said this power means strength, ability, especially to do miracles. Oh, we've seen God do some miracles, haven't we? We have seen God do things. I ain't talking about faith healing. I ain't talking about them quacks on TV or where or, or, or Greg Locke is or where D.R. Harris is. I'm not talking about them quacks in that crowd. I'm talking about miracles. I'm talking about a little baby that they didn't know if she was going to make it. They didn't know if mama, they didn't know what was going to happen. But now that little baby's in church tonight. I tell you, that's a miracle. I'm talking about Miss Patty who's home watching that should have died two or three times. But God preserved her life. That is a miracle. But I'm going to tell you, there's more than those two miracles in our church. For if you've been saved by the grace of God, if you've been brought from death and the life, hey, you've had a resurrection. The blinded eyes have been opened. The lame is walking. The dumb is speaking. The deaf is hearing. The greatest of us all miracles was when Jesus took a black heart, washed it in red blood, and it come out white as snow. That is the greatest of all miracles. You know, when they considered his power, the host of heaven, the, the blood washed redeemed said, Hallelujah. The reality of God's worth. Let's look at the second Hallelujah tonight. Look at verse number two. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. Now I'm not cussing tonight. I'm using Bible language. But the first Hallelujah is the reality of God's worth. But the second Hallelujah is the retribution to the great whore. The retribution to the great whore. I don't use that off color. I'm using it as a biblical term tonight. First 
first of all, we must acknowledge the acknowledgement of the great whore. Who is this mystery of Babylon? Who is this mother of harlots? We talked about it a little bit this morning. We do know uh, that she comes from Babylon. And Revelation 17, verse 5, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery of Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. You'll recall that Babylon finds its roots in Genesis chapter 11 in a place called Babel with a man called Nimrod. Babel pictures the world. Nimrod is always through church history been a type of the Antichrist. This is the great harlot. The true church, that is us, we are picturing the Word of God as a virgin. Pure and chaste. Second Corinthians eleven two. Paul said, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now I hate to slow down, but I gotta slow down here just a minute. I'll pick back up in a minute, Lord willing. But this false church is a harlot church because she has prostituted herself for personal gain. It has been commonly thought, taught, uh, taught throughout church history that the great whore is the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, Dr. Harold B. Seidler wrote this. Who is this great whore? I contend the great whore represents false religion. False religion which has always been, which has always hated Jesus and the bride of Christ. This system of false religion is headed up by Roman Catholicism. Anyone who has made a study of history of the church is all too well familiar with the persecutions of the, of the Christians by the Roman church. Thousands have been martyred for no reason except the refusal to submit to the sacraments of the Roman church. The blood of these martyred saints is yet to be avenged, end quote. While I agree with Dr. Seidner tonight that the Roman Catholic Church is certainly a part of this system. They will not be the only ones a part of this world church. Stay with me now. Don't get upset. Listen to me. I believe that this great whore is a combination of all the world's religions coming under one name and under one church. I believe that the great harlot of Revelation is the ecumenical movement. This includes Catholics, Muslims, Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, JWs, Mormons, Church of God, Church of Christ, Lutherans, and even Baptists. It's going to be a combination of everybody. It's going to be a one world church. What's it going to look like? It's not going to look like a Catholic monastery. The Muslims are not going to go for that. It's not going to be a Muslim's mosque for the Catholics and the Christians. The, when I say Christians, I, they, I use the term Christians loosely, not the born again saved people. Uh, the, the religious, they're not going to go for a Muslim. But here's what they will go for. Contemporary. Come all together. One name, no name, no identification. There is a place in Dubai called the Abrahamic Family House. Listen to me. The headquarters is being done in collaboration with Pope Francis and Sinai, the Muslim leader, Shakai Amin Eli Teliebiye. Hey, you couldn't have done no better with that. After they both signed a global peace covenant called the Document of human fraternity for world peace. That took place in February of 2019. The Abrahamic family house, quote, will be a beacon of mutual understanding, harmonious coexistence, and peace among people of faith and goodwill. It, it consists, listen to me now, it consists of a mosque, a church, a synagogue, and an educational center to be built in Dubai. Through its design, it captures the values shared between Judaism Christianity, and Islam, and serves as a powerful platform for inspiring, nurturing, and understanding acceptance between people of goodwill. 
The vision for the Abrahamic family house originated after the signing of the document by Pope Francis and that other guy. This landmark will be a place for learning, dialogue, and worship. Open to all and a true reflection of the United Arab's belief in tolerance and hospitality. Within each house of worship, visitors will have an opportunity to learn about religious services, to listen to Holy Scripture, and experience sacred rituals. A fourth space, not affiliated with any specific religion, will be an educational center where all people can come together as a single community devoted to a mutual understanding and peace. The Abrahamic Family House will host a variety of programs and events, a daily religious services, international summits, currently under construction, and the project's anticipated completion date is in 2023. It's in Dubai. It's three buildings, four buildings rather. And it is it has been called the Abrahamic Family House, the location for one world religion. Now, will this be the home of the one world church? I do not know. But it is easy to see how the one world harlot church is being assembled right now. Throw aside your doctrine. It don't matter what you believe. It's all about love, love, love. Let's all come together, have an understanding. You realize, I don't know if you caught everything in that article, but it's Catholics, Muslims, and Jews coming together. That's your three major religions in the world. You put your Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, all that crowd, you put them under Christian, then you got your Muslims and your Catholics. They all come together, and they're all coming together on a piece of property to learn about one another, to harmonize with one another, to have doctrine. Dialogue one another because, as I read, there's not much difference between us. We can all come together. Do you not see all this is setting up? This is all setting up for a one world church, a one world religion. This is nothing new. It's been going on for a while. Quote, listen to this quote. The body of Christ comes from all Christian groups and denominations around the world, outside or inside Christian groups. I think that everybody loves Christ or that knows Christ, whether they are conscious of it or not, they are members of the body of Christ. You know who said that? Charlotte's own homeboy, Billy Graham, in 1997. Did you catch what he said? I think that everybody that loves Christ or that knows Christ, whether they are conscious of it or not, they are members of the body of Christ. But you know what that's doing? He went and kissed the Pope on the toe and got his doctor's degree and, and bragged on the Catholic Church. So he, somebody said you shouldn't talk about a dead man. He should have done dumb things. But sadly, preachers lift him up. I've been to the Billy Graham Library before. I like the first half of it. I don't like the half where he apostatizes. Somebody say amen there. But sadly, it's all coming together. All coming together. That's the acknowledgement of this great whore. What are the actions of this great whore? Verse 2, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and avenge the blood of the servants at her hand. I'm hurrying. Her fornication speaks of her association with all the kings and the people of the earth. She seduces them and brings them all together, both religiously in Revelation 17 and commercially in Revelation 18. 
The blood of the saints speaks of the persecution and the hatred the system of religion has directed towards the true church of the living God. The Roman Catholic Church has had hundreds of thousands of Christians killed because they did not renounce their faith. The Muslims have killed millions of Christians because they would not renounce their faith. And even today, Christians in parts of the world are being persecuted and tortured and murdered because of their faith in Jesus Christ. But notice the avenging against the great whore. And at the avenge the blood of his servants at her hand. Revelation 17, verse 11 through 14. The Bible said, And the beast that was and is not, even as the eighth and as the seventh, and goeth in a perdition, and the ten horns with thy sorrows are the ten kings, which have received no kingdom as of yet, but received power as the kings in one hour with the beast. These have one mind, and shall give their power and strength to the beast. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings and they that are with him are called chosen and faithful Revelation 18 verses 4 through 10 talks about how that in one hour Babylon this harlot church both religiously and commercially it will be destroyed in one hour in one hour God is going to tear down that crowd that's that's despised his church that's persecuted his saints that's killed his children that hung them in Colosseums that burned them at the stake that ripped apart their Bibles that cut their heads off at their chopping blocks God's going to avenge the blood of those saints and when that great whore, when that harlot church has finally been destroyed the saints of all the ages will shout out hallelujah hallelujah somebody said preacher I think that's cruel that, that's terrible well you better remember this they had their choice 2 Thessalonians 2 said they received not the truth and because of that God sent them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie in Revelation 19 I have a glorified body I have the mind of Christ I'm just like him for true and righteous are his judgments and when I see the judgment of God fall and I see the hand of God fall in judgment as he avenged the blood of the saints down through the ages who didn't compromise who didn't change who didn't conform who didn't quit who didn't back down but who stood in the face of death and said I will not renounce Jesus Christ for he saved my soul I will not renounce my Bible I will stand for truth God is going to avenge the blood of his saints and the saints of all the ages will cry out hallelujah there is the reality of God's worth the retribution to the great whore number three there is the rejoicing of the gathered worshipers. Verse 4, I'm hurrying. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat upon the throne, saying, Amen. Let it be so. Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye servants that fear Him, both small and great. You know what those... those Four, 20 elders. You know what them 24 elders, 12 of them represents the Old Testament. 12 tribes in Israel. The other 12 represents the, the New Testament church. The 12 apostles. Those four beasts are the same beasts that Isaiah saw. And Isaiah 6 are flying around the throne saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is, which was, which is to come. And you know what? When they see the saints of God begin to rejoice, when they see the judgment upon sin, when they see the judgment upon the great harlot church, and they 
about one world religion. They're going to say, Amen. Let it be so. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, heaven's not going to be a quiet place. Heaven's not going to be a reserved place. But I tell you, there's going to be a hallelujah meeting one day where the saints of God will lay their burdens down and begin to rejoice in the glory of God. The congregation, the cry, the call. He said, that boy's come out of the throne. Praise our God, all ye servants, ye that fear him, both small and great. And lastly tonight, this fourth hallelujah is found in verse number six. And I heard, as it were, a great voice, of the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thunder, and saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The first one is the reality of God's worth. The second one, the retribution to the great whore. The third is the rejoice of the gathered worshipers. But the last one is the recognition of a glorious wedding. For in this text, the Lamb's wife hath made herself ready. There is the reigning in verse number 6. They said, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. You know what? When John was called up into the third heaven in Revelation chapter 4, he saw one that sat on the throne. Revelation 6 says that the Lamb was the one that opened the seals that allowed all the judgment on the earth. So even while hell is breaking out on earth, God is still in control. The Lamb is still in charge. There, hey, honey, there's never been a time when God wasn't in charge. And there'll never be a time when He's not on His throne, when He's not ruling and reigning. And the saints of all the ages says, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. There's the reigning. There's the redeemed in verse number 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And His wife hath made herself ready. So I said, who's His wife? The church. The body of Christ. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You know what that tells me? You know what that tells me in this text? That the Lamb's wife hath made herself ready. How many of you say tonight? Hold your hand up. If you say it and you ain't ashamed, hold your hand up tonight. You know what that tells me? Pray. God, we're going to make it. Amen. The devil ain't going to get us. Amen. We're not going to lose our salvation. We're not going to fall away. Thank God. But we made it to the other side. This, of course, follows the judgment seat of Christ as he has presented that bride to himself faultless. And there is the righteousness. Verse 8. And her was granted that she be, should be arrayed in fine linen. Watch it now. Clean and white. Oh, we wasn't always like that, was we? For sin had stained us and left a stain that was deep. Dark the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide. Whiter than snow you may be today. I'm glad that Jesus' blood washed our sins away. And now we are no longer stained with the results of sin. But we have been washed in the blood. And now we are clothed in white with the saints of God. That's our wedding garment, friend. That fine linen, though, is the righteousness of the saints. Now watch this, I'm done. Righteousness of the saints. That's not our righteousness. For Isaiah said, our righteousness is as filthy rags. But Romans said, 
Romans 3 to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. He declared us righteous based on His righteousness. I have nothing good, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. You know what we're going to say on that day when we're clothed in white and we're on the other side and our sins are gone and the flesh has been dealt with and the heart at church is gone and he's fixing a ride on a white horse in chapter verse number 11 and he's going to throw the Antichrist in the bottomless pit and he's going to throw Satan in the bottomless pit and he's going to set up his reign on the earth for 1,000 glorious years. Hey, a day with the Lord is a 1,000 years. You talk about what a day that's going to be. Amen. And I'm telling you, we're going to be in that number, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. And if anything ought to cause the saints of God to have a smile on their face, have a spring in their step, have a song in their heart, and a hallelujah on their lips, it should be the fact that our sins are still gone. And we have the righteousness. Of Jesus Christ. That's the four hallelujahs of Revelation 19. Let's stand. I pray.